Today with Catherine Ruinala. Well, praise the Lord. I want to look today at a couple of kings. We're going to look in uh, Second Chronicles, if you want to go there, um, chapter 33. Well, we'll start in chapter 32. Hezekiah was actually one of the really good kings. There was many, many very bad kings. And then Hezekiah came. He was a wonderful king. Loved God, honoured God, served God, did a great thing, did good work. Hallelujah. And, um, and he stood up to the intimidation of the enemy. He saw breakthrough for Israel. He had all of Israel worshipping God and serving God. And then after some great victories, he got sick, very sick. In fact, it looked like he was going to die. And they called for the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah came and said, yep, you're going to die. And, um, he, and he said, just get your affairs in order. And so Hezekiah, he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, the Bible says one of God's names is God who heals us, Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. You are the Lord that healeth me. And he called on God who he knew and loved and said, Lord, I know who you are. Have mercy on me. Let me live. Heal me, Lord, believing that he would. And you know what? The Lord said, yes, I will heal you and I'll give you 15 more years. And then he said, I want to have a sign that this is going to happen. And Isaiah said, well, what would you like? Uh, We could have the sun go down or we could have the sun go up the stairs. What would you like? He goes, well, all right, let's, let's make it. I think he makes it go up. <laughs> go back up the stairs. And he does. And it's a sign from God. And it's so wonderful. But we'll pick it up here in, in Second Chronicles. You can read that story in, in Second Kings. But here, verse 24, In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received because his heart was proud. Therefore, wrath came on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. And in his, in, after this amazing moment, where he's, had, he's lived this great life, done wonderful things, cried out to the Lord for mercy. The Lord's healed him, done a sign to show him that he'll be healed. Instead of responding with even a deeper, closer walk with the Lord, his heart pulls back and he gets proud. And then... Um, In his pride, the Lord tests him to see what was in his heart. And these envoys come and he just shows off everything he's got and just shows how great he is and all his riches. And then Isaiah comes back, says, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? He said, because of that, you're going to, you're going to, um, your sons are going to be taken into captivity. They're going to come and steal all your stuff and your sons are going to be taken into captivity. And remember when Isaiah had come with a bad news earlier saying you're going to die, he cried out to God and said, Lord, have mercy on me. I know who you are. Forgive me. Have mercy. Heal me. And the Lord did and he healed him. And now and Isaiah comes and says, well, hey, your sons are going to be taken into captivity because of what you've done. What you've done. Instead of turning to the Lord and saying, oh, God, I'm sorry, that was so foolish. I humble myself before you. Have mercy on me. Please spare my sons and spare the nation. 
Hezekiah responds and says, oh, well, that's, that's okay, that's good. At least it's not going to happen in my lifetime. And so this one who lived a great life, did it was a great king, ended really badly. He looked after himself, but he, he didn't care about the next generation. He didn't care about his sons. Turns out his son, who takes over from Hezekiah, doesn't do so well. In fact, it's Manasseh, and Manasseh is about the worst of the worst of the kings. I mean, talk about bad. This guy's bad, bad, wicked, bad, bad, with a capital B, bad, bad, wicked, bad, evil, bad, wicked, big, wicked, bad, evil, bad, like really bad. He puts his he has child sacrifices to false gods. He turns the whole of Israel over to worshipping demons. He, he creates idols and puts them in the holy place, in the temple of God. He consults mediums and spiritists and gets into sorcery. He is wicked bad, like as bad as they got. They're wicked but bad, really bad, like abomination bad, wicked bad. Bad, bad, wicked, bad. Capital W, wicked, bad. Wicked, not in a good way. Bad, wicked, bad, evil, bad. You got the, you got the idea. Anyway, so then the enemy comes and the prophecy of Isaiah gets fulfilled. And they conquer Israel and they grab Manasseh and they put hooks in him and lead him away in captivity. Now we're going to pick it up here in chapter 33. It says here, verse 10, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. Like he's done really bad stuff, really, really bad stuff for a very long time, only bad stuff. And then the Lord speaks to him and says, Stop doing bad stuff. And he says, no, and keeps doing bad stuff, really bad. And then the prophecy comes to pass. He gets taken into captivity with hooks in his flesh, taken away. And in his captivity, it says here, therefore the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them, and they captured Manasseh with hooks. They bound him with bronze chains and took him to Babylon. When he was in distress, he entreated the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. When he prayed to him, God was moved by his entreaty and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Now after this, he built the outer wall of the city of David on the west side of the valley he, um, he did all these good things. He removed all the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord, as well as all the altars which he'd built. He set up the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. He got rid of all the bad things that he did. He told all of Judah and Israel to be worshipping God. He's the only true God. And this one, who was so wicked, bad, evil, humbled himself, repented, and then showed forth fruits of repentance, and he ended really well. You see, I believe the, the Lord's speaking us, to us today and saying it's, it's not so much about what you've done, it's about what you're going to do next. 
Hezekiah lived a brilliant life, but he ended really badly. Manasseh, like you, I pretty much guarantee you have not hopefully done anything as bad as Manasseh. He is bad, really bad. You might think, oh, I've been pretty bad. This guy, like really bad. Murdering his own children, sacrificing to demons and like turning the whole of Israel over to sorcery and witchcraft and ignoring blatantly in the ignoring God to his face and and yet when he humbled himself when he repented God not only forgave him but he restored the kingdom to him he didn't leave him in captivity to think about what he'd done to punish him he restored it to him and gave him an opportunity to put things right and to end really well as I've been going through this um, Song of Songs and enjoying the wisdom books. The understanding of the fear of the Lord is a big deal. If you read Job and Ecclesiastes, that's basically the thing that you learn. It's, whoa, he's God and he should be feared and honoured and worshipped. In the book of Psalms, we learn this magnificent relationship that he longs to have with us and the goodness and kindness of who he is. And in the Song of Songs, we discover that the joy that can come when we intentionally pursue him and walk with him. Draw me after you, let us run together. And there's this magnificent, beautiful encounter the magnificent words of love that get spoken and then the, the Lord says catch for us the little foxes that are spoiling the vine of our love and she says off you go have a wonderful time off on the mountains I'm right here you're okay I'll just stay here off you go and getting a little uncomfortable it's like this has been lovely and I'll be happy again for the next encounter and, you know, sometimes when God starts to want to work in our hearts, we can get a little uncomfortable and go, oh, that was nice. You know, I'll just look for the next encounter instead of recognizing the invitation that we have to pursue him consistently. So then in chapter 3, we pick it up and she's tossing and turning on her bed and realizing, I miss him. Oh, I miss him. And so she gets up and she goes into the city looking for him. It says here in verse 2, I must arise now and go about the city and in the streets and in the squares. I must seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I didn't find him. The watchmen who make the rounds in the cities found me and I said, have you seen him whom my soul loves? You see, the watchmen weren't enough. They were, couldn't substitute an encounter with him. They couldn't substitute knowing him personally. People who know about all the things that are going on, the watchmen of the city, they know all the news and they would know him. They would know all about the things that are going on. And we live in a world where we can hear all the information all the time. But when she moved past the watchman, she found him. Scarcely had I left them, the watchman, when I found him whom my soul loves and I held on to him and would not let him go until I brought him to my mother's house. You see, when she moved past all the distraction, all the noise, all the information about what you should be afraid of, 
all the information of the city, when she moved past it and remembered, hey, I have one thing I really need here. One thing I have desired, like it says in Psalm 27, one thing I desire, this shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Jesus said it of Mary. He said, Mary's chosen the better thing. That is, despite whatever's going on, there is one thing that drives me and this I will not let go because I've discovered there is only one thing that will truly satisfy. There's only one thing that my soul will crave. In Ecclesiastes, you know, the Song of Solomon tells us, he, Ecclesiastes, he tells us that I've discovered this after all my wandering and excess and sin, I've discovered nothing satisfies. Everything is meaningless except knowing him. And she's on this track. I recognize now it's worth it. Whatever he asks, whatever the cost, nothing, nothing is like being with him personally. And then it says, when she found him, I held on to him and I would not let him go. It's like Mary at the tomb with Jesus. She saw a gardener and she says, tell me where he is. Just tell me where he is. And I think Jesus probably really enjoyed that moment because it was him. And as soon as she recognized him, as soon as he revealed himself, what did she do? She held on to him and wouldn't let him go. People on the road to Emmaus, as they were walking with Jesus, they didn't know it was him, but their hearts were burning. And so they, when Jesus looked like he was going to keep going, they said, no, come with us, come back to our house. And in that pursuit, when they pressed in, he came back to the house and revealed himself and suddenly they found purpose and meaning again. He's looking and hungering for you to recognize your own deep need. You see, Hezekiah, he, he got complacent. And having been through something rough with a sickness, he just, his heart got a bit cold and pride crept in. But Manasseh, even though he lived this horrible life, when he got honest with God and recognized his need and humbled himself and said, I need him, I need him, have mercy on me. When he got real, you see, this, the bride here in the Song of Songs made this decision, I'm not going to be content talking to people who know about him. I'm not going to be content just waiting for the next encounter. I'm going to find him. And I'm going to find him and I'm not going to let him go. And when you get to that place, that's the place Manasseh got to. Honest prayers, humble prayers that said, I need you. I need you. Jeremiah 29 tells us, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. If you seek me, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It's a promise. If you look for me, I will be found. God is not trying to escape from you. He's not like, whoa, got away again. No, he is looking for you to recognize that you've been invited into 
a mature relationship where he isn't the one always pursuing you, but he is looking for you to respond to him. And in that response, you, you become a willing partner of God. God has given each one of us a free will, and he's looking for us to exercise it every day. Even when you've, ha- you've suffered knocks, you know, if you've been through a rough sickness, it can knock you about, and it can knock your faith about, and it can knock your emotions about. I remember when I was diagnosed with breast cancer probably six years ago now, Afterward, I mean, praise the Lord, God delivered me. But afterward, my, my confidence had really been knocked. Instead of being bold and brave, we'd go, we went on a skiing holiday soon after, and I'm like, go this way, go this way, go this So slow that I was dangerous on the ski field because I, I, was, I was no longer thinking I'm invincible. I'm like, oh, so, you know, I'm breakable. And I, and I lost my confidence. But then the Lord restored it. Hallelujah. So I understand and I know what it's like to take a knock and to feel like you've been thrown off course a little bit. But I tell you, in that place, don't become like Hezekiah and get complacent and just think, well, you know, I've I've done some good things and I'll just rest here. Don't don't lie back into your bed because pretty soon your heart's going to start crying out for what you really need. And if you don't recognize the truth of your deep need, my deep need calls out for the deep kindness of his love. If I don't realize the deep calling of my heart for his deep kindness to come and fill me continually, then I will fill that need with other things. I'll try and numb it with... Netflix or food or whatever it is you do, drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be, people just filling it up with information, causes, things that are not the one thing. You can end up getting caught up in the issues of the watchman. Well, there's this going on over here and there's this going on over there and you can let your passions get involved over here and your passions get involved over there and you can fight everybody else's cause and do all the things. Proverbs actually tells us, don't get involved in other people's fights. But when you come back to the place of recognizing, you're all I want, you're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. When you recognize your deep need and you humble yourself and you cry out, it doesn't matter if you've been bad, bad, wicked, bad. If you'll humble yourself and repent, the Lord will have mercy on you. And he'll forgive you and wipe away your sin. And he will never make mention of it again. He'll identify you as you are beautiful, fair, altogether lovely. And even if my heart condemns me, I can declare he's greater than my heart. He's better than I feel like I deserve. The glory of God. If you will turn to him, if you will humble yourself and remain in this place of I'm not rich and full and having need of nothing, not allowing myself to get into a place of pride where I can, I, can, I can live on my success or my riches or my this or whatever, 
But when you remain hungry, when you remain in a place where you recognise all of it is meaningless if I don't have you, God. You are all I want. You are all I've ever needed. When you come to that place and you hold on and you don't let go, you will bring him into your mother's house. That is everywhere you go, into your family, into your workplace, into your sphere of influence, into your church, into your ministry, into everything you do, he will come with you and he will be glorified. I believe this invitation, this revival that he's pouring out upon us, we must be very careful not to live from encounter to encounter. Though I love encounters, and every week, every time we come to worship, we're I'm having encounters with him, glorious, life-changing encounters, and they're beautiful. But if that is all that we have, we are missing what God is longing for. He is longing for loyalty. He is looking for a heart. He is looking for ones that have dove's eyes. I've said it before, but dove's eyes, it doesn't mean little beady black eyes. And he says, my, my dove, you have dove's eyes. And he tells us that he's, he's, this is what I believe about you. Dove's eyes are those that cannot see anything but what they're focused on. Doves have no peripheral vision. They can't see all the stuff. They can only see what they're focusing on. And then they can see what they're focused on really well. God wants us not to be those that get our eyes on all the things that the watchmen are saying. Now, I, I think it's good to be informed. I think it, I love to learn. I, I voracious learner. I love to learn. We love to, I love to know stuff about creation and all the things that are going on in the world. I enjoy, I enjoy information. But information can never be a substitute for the one passion that guides my life. And that is something that if I believe is the one thing, the thing that will change my life and the world around me, then I will pursue it every day as a matter of my life is laid down to love him. So when I wake up during the night, I'm talking to him. When I wake up in the morning, I'm talking to him. You see, at the moment, there is so much revelation being released. You can, I I feel like I can pick up the Bible right now and Revelation jumps out and smacks me in the face. It's so wonderful. It's just so rich. Anybody else finding that right now? Ah, the spirit of wisdom and revelation is enlightening the eyes of our understanding and the knowledge of him. Let me see that again. If you're really like, wow, if you're not and you want it, put your hands up right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for supernatural revelation through your word, Lord, to enlighten the eyes of their understanding by your spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. But reading the Word, which is so wonderful, we're fellowshipping with God himself as we read the Word of God, is though not a substitute for your voice talking to him. When we read the Word, we hear his voice speaking to us. But I tell you, he loves the sound of your voice. Manasseh got a breakthrough when God heard the sound of his, his voice being real and humble. When he got real with God, when he got honest with God, that's how I got saved. I got real with God. I believed in him, but I, 
I had to get real with him. I said, Lord, I can't see you and I don't know you. And this is really hard to sing to somebody I can't see and don't know. Help. And in my crying out to God from humility, from a place of recognizing I need help here for a real connection, God did it. And he converted me and changed my life forever. I believe the Holy Spirit is longing to hear your voice, get real with him, cry out and say, yes, God, I want to receive, Father. I want to receive what you have for me. Lord, I'm crying out for help. If you need healing, don't just wait for it to fall on you. It's like Smith Wigglesworth used to say, just don't wait for the gifts of God to fall on you like ripe cherries. Just go after them. And the Lord is saying he wants you to go after, ask him, ask and you will receive. You have not because you ask not. But when you ask, not out of, oh, I hope he hears me, but when you look at him and ask him, talking to him personally, intimately, vulnerably, coming before him saying, I have need of you, help me, heal me. I know who you are. You are the God who heals me. You are the one who says, by your stripes, I was healed. When you access who he is by faith and you talk to him from your heart to his heart, you will see him, you will find him, you can run to him, hold on to him, and he will hold on to you. He will protect you defend you, deliver you, heal you, and redeem you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our wonderful Savior. Hallelujah.